Welcome to the View from the Penalty Box podcast with Cam Connor. Classic hockey stories from one of hockey's toughest enforcers. Hello, everyone. Been away a little while. This is Cam Connor with his son, Chris. Welcome to podcast number 44. So, Dad, you told me a fact that someone told you that you were the first NHL alum to host your own podcast. And we're, I guess we started in 2017, so we're, we're slowly trudging along, but we're on episode 44, which some people probably get in a year, but uh, we're going at our own pace and there's only, only so many stories that you have and you have said that you don't want to just uh, talk to talk, you only want to talk when you have something to say. So we took uh, a six month break during COVID or however long it's been. Uh, so how has your summer and now your fall been? Well, I've enjoyed my summer. I uh, I guess I'm retired now. Took the summer to do a lot of work around the home and stay busy. I actually lost about 10 pounds. I'm enjoying it. Winter, I got to find more things to do because I know my father lived to 99. And he didn't just sit around the house when he retired at age 58. He was always active up and he was in routines of swimming every second day. And he did that for 20-something years, and then he uh, walked every second day as well. Even on the coldest, coldest days in Winnipeg, he always, he never never jammed out. He just said, I got to do it. And he wanted to live, and that's why he lived to 99 years old. He had some good genes that helped out. And so I hope to uh, learn from my father, try to get a little bit busier than I have been this winter. I've started some walking, and I guess that's the starting point, Chris. So I've enjoyed my summer and uh, the start of this winter. And you're keeping active. Uh, you just uh, went sledding with my kids, and you went down the hill on the sled. So uh, it's not like retirement has made you just uh, weak and feeble. <laughs> you're, no. you're, you're you're keeping busy, and I, I think that you'll end up doing something else. But with COVID, there's like nothing happening. I think... Uh, there's a radio station out there that would want you. I think you. a lot of people have said how much they, they like your stories and are surprised at the stories you have. So maybe in the spring or the summer when life starts to get back to normal, we'll see what happens. Well, thank you for that, Chris. <laughs> so one of the things that you've been busy with is you're one of the people that has joined Cameo. And I remember when I found out about it, I asked you if you'd want to sign up. And you're like, no, no, no one would ever want to hear from me. And surprise, surprise, people do want to hear from you. And what Cameo is, is basically people ask for like birthday shout outs or they'll say, you played with Gila Fleur, can you tell a story? And I see some celebrities or former sports stars who will basically give you 30 seconds and they'll say, happy birthday, wish you well, this is so and so, and it's 10 seconds. Your cameos are like four minutes. You tell really good stories. You, I think you do a great job. So even if you don't want to sign up for one of my dad's cameos, you should uh, go to uh, cameo.com, look for Cam Connor, and you can just hear some of his stories that he's telling people 
for their birthdays, for milestones. If you're bored during COVID, that's something interesting. If you're if you like dad stories, some of them I'm sure you've heard before, and then some some will be new to you. And again, you're on social media. You haven't been so busy the last little while, but uh, you've committed to to getting back on there on Twitter, Cam Connor NHL. You're on Instagram, Facebook page, and I thought that uh, we talk we'd read a couple reviews that we got on the podcast so even though we were on a a little bit of a break people were listening to podcasts more than ever and uh, we're thankful for the people that found ours so the first one is from patrick who also has some questions that you will answer later in the episode so he writes just found this recently and have been consuming episodes quickly a fascinating and entertaining listen for any fan but especially those who remember hockey in the 70s and 80s before the game was sanitized. All of hockey's character and charm are brought back to life in this podcast. Thank you, Cam and Chris. And then the second one that we just received, I'll read that one quickly as well. It says, as a lifelong Canadians fan, I am familiar with Cam Connor and fondly recall his overtime winner versus the Leafs in 1979. But that was all I remember about the man. Although I generally fall into the hockey as a finesse game camp, there is no denying that there is a certain honor among the rough and tumble hockey players of yesteryear. A fundamental decency paradoxical with the rough and tumble nature of the game. Cam is a great storyteller and really captures the life of a pro hockey player of the 70s and 80s. So thank you for the reviews. We appreciate it. Any comments, Dad? I think that... uh... You know, I'm just telling it the way it was. I'm not uh, embellishing any of my stories to make it a little more interesting. It's how I remember it, and I'm glad that people are enjoying my stories and what I have to say. So I thank you for those comments. And so for this episode, we're because we didn't hear from you over the summer, uh, we're curious to hear what you thought of kind of the COVID hockey with no spectators. I want to know if you think that counts as a Stanley Cup, and obviously it does. They get the rings, and but it, it seems like should there be an asterisk next to next to this season? So we'll see what you think, uh, what you think about hockey going forward. Uh, you'll talk a little bit about Guy Lafleur and Eddie Shack, and uh, we have some some questions for you to answer. So why don't we start with what you thought of hockey over the summer? You know, at first when I heard that they were going to uh, Put everybody under the bubble in uh, Toronto and in Edmonton, and they would play from there. I, I had, my own first thoughts were, you know what? Let's call it a year, just write off this whole hockey season. But after it was undertaken, I have to say that you know I I think that was the right thing to do with Gary Bettman. He, you know, represents the owners. They need some revenue coming in. They need commercial money. The players like to get a paycheck. And so I think it was the right thing to do, and it actually was fairly interesting. I really didn't think there was going to be much of a meaningful season, but I have to say, you know, watching it on television, you didn't really realize. I mean, you knew it, but you didn't really realize as you're watching the action that there wasn't any fans there, and it was just the hockey players and the coaches and the trainers. So I think from a hockey player's perspective, to play in an empty arena, that would take a little bit of getting used to. And that first game or two or three, 
that mindset, it, it takes a while to, to get into the groove without any fans there. When you have fans in the arena and they make a lot of noise, especially certain arenas, they're very loud and a lot of energy. You feed off of that and it gets you pumped up. And that's how hockey's always been played in front of crowds. But again, when there are zero people sitting there watching you, it's quiet as can be. It just takes a little bit of um, mental preparation to say, you know what, that doesn't mean we can't give it our all. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think the product that was on the ice turned out pretty darn good. And so um, I'm, I'm actually very glad that they did finish the season off. I watched, you know, the games, especially out of Edmonton, uh, religiously. And again, for the third time, I'm very glad that they did have this season, Chris. And if we go back all the way to September 2019, uh, do you remember who your pick was? And I tried to get you to potentially, I gave you the out if you wanted to change your pick back in November and you stuck with your pick. So do you want to talk about who your pick was and who ended up winning the cup? Well, I got to say, you know, with 31 teams, it's a coin flip. You know, you, the top goalie gets hurt and all of a sudden, you know, that favorite team is not the favorite anymore or you're a couple good hockey players, your best goal scorers get hurt. There's a lot of variables when you pick a winner, you know, or who you think might win. And so, you know, I was fortunate when I thought that Vegas might win the Stanley Cup their first year. Well, they came pretty darn close. I, I almost feel like that was a good call. And then last year, this season, I had uh, in September I picked Tampa Bay to win it all, and um, come you know like November thereabouts they were not doing very well. Like they they were very they were a poor choice at that time. So you're right, Chris. You did give me that option. Okay, you could we can uh, give us another name and change your mind. And and I did stick with Tampa Bay because all the traits that I see in a hockey team that makes it successful from coaching on out, Tampa Bay had those boxes checked. And so I stuck with them, and at the end of the day, they came through, they won. Even without their, probably their best hockey player, Stamkos, even without him, everybody stepped up, and uh, they're a well-coached team. I'm very happy for them when they won and they got their Stanley Cup. You know, traditionally, everybody grabs the, their turn with a cup and they skate around the ice and the fans get into it. It was a lot different. You get it, and it's just the players kind of celebrating with each other and they didn't, you know, carry the trophy around the rink for the fans to take a closer look at it and see the joy. So it was a little bit different, but at the end of the day, they'll get their name on the Stanley Cup and they'll get a ring and they know that they were the champions. And so how do you see hockey going forward? And in particular, from your Twitter, you had a message from Blue Collar Blue Shirts on Twitter who talks about where you see the NHL in 2021, if they'll start on time, the finances issue, and how ridiculous it is that a first-round NBA player is getting $44 million guaranteed before ever playing a game, considering the NHL salary cap is $80 million. So I guess, where do you see NHL going forward? We'll start with that question. You know, a few months back, they had said that uh, they had hoped to start uh, the 2020 season in, you know, the fall at some point. I said, okay, that's great. And now what I'm hearing 
because of COVID again and uh, all the problems that are in this world with COVID, that uh, they won't start till maybe January at the earliest. And I do believe that, you know, when I see in Alberta, they have our Alberta Junior Hockey League had been playing for a number of weeks now. The Western Hockey League, the Ontario Hockey League, and the Quebec Junior League. Those are the top leagues in Canada for junior hockey players. And this is what's scouted all the time and by the NHL scouts. They're not playing. You know, I don't know if they're able to rent the ice and just get out there and skate with a group of guys. I don't know if that's allowed. I, I really don't know. But there's no games being played. I, I think there's some players that are able to go to Europe where the, some of the countries are covid Sanctions aren't as harsh harsh on the game of hockey, so they're able to play in Europe. I believe that it's gonna it's gonna suffer from everywhere from the people that were going to get drafted. And when you gotta sit out a whole year and you miss that game of hockey as far as timing and and conditioning and scouts watching you, I think it's gonna set hockey back a year or two for sure until they get back into the swing and I think it'll be it's going to be tough on the scouts and the coaches and the various teams to start picking some of the young players. And I and I feel, again, it's very unfair for those juniors that uh, want to play pro and not being exposed to the scouts and actually not being on the ice for the most part. So it's going to change the game of hockey. It's going to hurt the individual junior players quite a bit. The older pros, you know, they got a reputation, the coaches, the scouts, the other teams. Everybody knows, at least they have a perception of what that individual is about. But these juniors that are coming out, they need every game that they can watch them to make a accurate, as accurate as possible prediction on how well they're going to do when they turn pro and how long it'll take them before they can be on the number one squad. So that's going to be thrown out the window and a lot of it's going to be a little bit more guessing than ever before. So... To sum it up, I think it's going to hurt the game of hockey. It's going to hurt especially the junior players. And as far as the salary, you know, it's unfortunate. Like, I mean, I think in any, whether it's sport or nine to five world, you got to make as much as you can. You know, with hockey, you've got a limited window. And when I played, I think the average, the average was to play pro was only, you only, very few made it, but the ones that made it only lasted you know, maybe two years or three at the most. So it's it's a very short window to make your money. And, of course, the guys that are really good hockey players, they had great careers and made a lot of money. But you want to pay somebody $40 million over, I don't know, whatever length of time. You know, the problem is, is that the team that drafts them, if you don't pay them, somebody else is willing to step up and pay that kind of money. So you're taking a big, big chance on uh you know, some of these unproven resources, some of them you pay big money and you know what? They have come through and they're worth every penny like Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl, for example, in Edmonton and Gretzky when he was here and Mario Lemieux. Some of these guys, they earn, they put people in the building and they are the backbone of hockey teams, but there's others that have paid top dollars and you just wonder... Like, where are they today? They're making tons of money, but they, they didn't come through. So that's the problem. You don't know. You put the money up, and if and if they are like the guys that I mentioned, then they're worth every penny. But quite a few of them 
um, will not come through. So I know you wanted to talk about a couple of players. Why don't we start with a player that you are, I know you hold in the highest respect, and that's Guy Lafleur. And I guess the health struggles that he's battling with yeah. now. And maybe the last time you talked to him or saw him. Yeah. Most people don't know Guy Lafleur as a person. You know, you know who he is as a hockey player. And you've seen interviews with him. And you read his stats and how well he had, uh, how well he did with the teams that he played for. And I was fortunate enough that I got to play with Guy. But to me, when I think of Guy Lafleur, I don't think of necessarily, you know, you I mean you can't take it away how competitive he was, how hardworking he was. His name is associated with hockey forever, you know, and he earned every positive pat on the back that he gets. But when I think of Guy Lafleur, it's not hockey that jumps into my mind. Guy is one of the finest human beings you will ever meet. You know, when I judge people, and you know, I'm, I guess we all have our own thoughts about individuals, I don't think about, well, you know, that person can do something for me. I better be nice to him. You know, when I judge people, you could tell what somebody's all about, how they treat people who can never do anything for you, for them. You know, when I see somebody who works at a hotel that their job is to open the door for you when you come in with your bags, somebody that works hard, but they kind of just blend in. And, you know, I've seen people just walk by them like they're not even there. And that always bothered me. And when I see Guy Lafleur, he always, always treated everybody so kindly. He treated them like, you know, they were somebody special in his life. And uh, he was so good to every single person. Whenever I was with Guy, he was much like my good friend Rowdy Roddy Piper. Rod, he taught me a lot about how you should treat people. He was very good. And, and Guy has those same tra traits as, as Roddy Piper. You know, you, if, he doesn't even talk about hockey. When you're with Lafleur and you're having a beer with him, he never talks about himself. Never. And I've played with some superstars that um, they would just, you know, they don't see too much unless you want to start talking about them and their hockey stats. Then they come to light. Guy doesn't even care to talk about hockey or what he's ever done in life. And how do you not appreciate a man like that? So, you know, Guy, I hope you get well. You um, are one of the finest human beings. And it has nothing to do with hockey. You are just a really good person. And I want to say thank you for hanging out with me and allowing me to get to know you. And do you remember the last time that you talked with him or saw him? I would say the last time I talked to him was probably six, seven years ago. I was in a little city called Grand Prairie, Alberta on business. And I happened to read that uh, the Montreal Canadiens alumni were going to be playing that night that I was in Grand Prairie at the local hockey rink. So I brought some of my clients and we bought tickets and we sat in the stands and uh, I knew three, four, five of the Montreal Canadiens alumni. So between periods, I brought my clients down and we went down to the dressing room and I didn't, I didn't want all of us to be walking through their dressing room. So I asked Steve Schott and Guy Lafleur if they wouldn't mind coming out 
into the hallway and saying hi to my friends and signing a few autographs and uh, they were more than happy to and that's probably the last time I saw those two hockey players and it was such a good feeling to see those guys again. Um, you go through a lot in a, in a hockey season and there's a there's people that deserve respect in the Steve Shutt and Gila Fleur. They came out. I respected that and I thanked them. And so, Chris, that's probably five, six, seven years ago was the last time I saw Guy. And you actually got to play with him at the Heritage Classic in, I think that was 2003. Yep. And I know that was one of the coldest nights that we've ever, <laughs> that you've ever played hockey and you played a lot in Winnipeg. That was freezing. But uh, I remember I was working for the Oilers at the time, so I got to watch you play for the first time that I could remember, and uh, you got to play with Guy Lafleur. Well, I do remember that. And uh, there's a actually when I look at Chris across from the table, behind him there is a uh, Heritage Classic poster, and it says November twenty second, two thousand and three. So when I take my mind back to that seventeen. 16 years ago, it was cold, Chris. I think it was 30-something below zero, and that wind chilled. So if you haven't been in cold, 30 below is cold. But when the wind blows, it's even colder. And it was really, really cold. We had 60,000 people sitting outdoors watching us play those games. And, you know, Chris, when, uh, you know, when you brought up Heritage Classic and we just talked about Guy Lafleur, I always remember one cute little story, is um, because it was so cold, you still had to wear a helmet out there. Well, I guess we didn't have to, now that I think about it. So you would wear a hat or, you know, if you're a Canadian, you know what a toque is. You would wear a toque. And so they gave us a Montreal Canadiens toque. So it had the Montreal colors, had a little pom-pom on top, and it had the crest of Montreal Canadiens on the front of this toque. They're actually pretty sharp. So we wore those, all of us, the alumni. And we played before the regular Edmonton Oilers, Montreal Canadian NHL outdoor game. So we got these hats. And when we were finished our game, um, we're getting undressed in the dressing room. And we got on a team bus after and we were going somewhere. And just before we were leaving the Commonwealth Stadium, the NHL PR for Montreal Canadians gentleman in charge of the PR, he came on the bus and he said to all of us, he said, guys, we don't have enough toques for the regular NHL boys. And so I'd like you guys to give your toques back and you'll all get your toques back after, but we'll let them use it and then we'll get the toques back to you. So I happened to be in the third row from the front uh, on the bus. So this PR guy from the Canadians, he you know, the first row, the guys, the four guys gave their hats up. And their second row, they gave their hats up. And they got to me. And I said, I'm not giving you my hat. And he said, oh, no, no, you'll get it back. Well, you know what, guys? When you've been around a while in life, you start to realize you've seen this scenario before. And when people say, oh, yeah, yeah, you'll get it back. I've been screwed so many times. So I've learned some lessons. And I just said, nope, I'm not giving my hat up. I don't care. And so then... I had to laugh because sitting in front of me was Guy Lapointe, one of the great fellas as well. He had said, yeah, he said, you know what? I want my hat back too. 
And so the guys ahead of me who turned their hats in, they all said, yeah, you're right, Cam. I want my hat back. And so Gila Point said, well, I got a particular hat in there, and I've got Gila Fleur's autograph on my hat. And so he had to fish through the eight hats that were in there and get his Gila Fleur autograph hat back. So that just tells you, you know, Gila Point played with the Fleur for 10, 15 years, like a long, long time to get your teammates autograph on your hat. He's a pretty special guy, that Guy Lafleur. So Guy Lapointe, he was so proud to have Guy Lafleur's autograph on his hat, so he got his hat back. Speaking of the Heritage Classic and Guy Lafleur, do you remember that Globe and Mail article that basically lied and <laughs> made up quotes about you? And it was on the front page of the Globe and Mail, and it said, started off by saying that you were jealous of his hair. Do you remember that? Who's hair? Guy Lafleur. No, I, you know what, Chris, I don't. Yeah. Well, so, well, you know what? I've learned with media, I can tell you some stories where they really lied or they, they did some underhanded things to get some information. So that wouldn't surprise me. Well, if you, if you are all curious, if you Google it, you can see the article. You were all excited that it made the front uh, page of the Globe and Mail, which is our largest newspaper in Canada. And then you said that you never even talked to the guy. Yeah. So. All right, well, I'll have to look for that article. We can talk yeah. about that another time. But And so the, the other hockey player that you wanted to talk about was the passing of Eddie Shack that happened over the summer. Well, you know, it's not, you know, when you and I were discussing a few things before we got on air, air here, it's not that I wanted to talk about Eddie Shack. I, I knew him just a little bit. I watched him a little bit as a kid. And it's just, you know, as these older hockey players die, so it is a piece of the game. Eddie Shack had a personality. He, you know, there's lots of good hockey players, and they come and go, but Eddie was a little bit of a different breed. He was always a happy guy. He was on the ice, and he'd go as fast as he could on the ice, and then when he went to hit you, he'd jump up in the air, and he'd turn around, and he'd hit you with his butt which that actually hurt. He'd be in the air fly. He can't hit like that anymore. But he used to jump up in the air and they used to say, look out, clear the track, Shaq is back. And uh, Eddie, he was always a good quote. And uh, he was a colorful individual. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, with today's guys, they all got the same cliches for the most part. There's very few individuals that has, that bring a personality to the game of hockey. It's a business, and uh, back in the day, you would see a lot more of people's personalities that played the game. So I'm just saying for the game of hockey, losing Eddie Shack, you lo you lost a real character from the game of hockey back in the 60s. And he might even have played in the 50s. I don't know, but he was definitely in the 60s. A lot of people that knew Eddie, they said a lot of good things about him. So game of hockey... They're gonna they're gonna miss Eddie Shack and uh, his personality. And for those who haven't listened, if you can do a search through our archives, you shared a, a good story about Eddie Shack and somebody else. And, oh, Johnny Bauer, right? Yes, and, and how he would sign his name, something like that, right? Yeah, that's and right. So you don't you don't have to say it again. It's no. in our archives. So if you take a, a look. 
that's a, a good story. I know you uh, people comment on that one. And so we have a lot of questions that we haven't answered yet. So I was thinking maybe we'll talk about one more topic and then we'll save the questions for our next podcast. Okay. How does that sound? Yep, that sounds good, Chris. So I just wanted to bring up that what's interesting is you're getting a lot of media and interview requests from the UK. So I wanted to ask you what you thought their hockey scene is like, what you've learned from talking to uh, the people that are based in the UK, because you often don't think of hockey and England and United Kingdom, but you're sure getting a lot of interview requests. So do you have any thoughts on that before we wrap it up? Well, you're right, Chris. I've uh, done a lot of podcasts with people from England, and uh, I'm always amazed the people that interviewed me they knew their hockey like I was really impressed. I I didn't really know what they were going to know about, you know, the game of hockey that is so popular in, uh, you know, North America. Anyways, in the United States and Canada, even though I don't even think they have outdoor rinks in England. Um, these guys, they follow the game of hockey. They know everybody's names. I was very impressed. And I know that the last gentleman about a week or two ago that I spoke to from England, he had said that they had some team in uh, England that was, you know, playing there, but they didn't draw very well. And, you know, would the game of hockey sell in England? And, you know, my thoughts are, I mean, hockey is a wonderful game. I think that because there's way too many games played and there's like three to four games a week, and all the travel and the hard practicing and you know you could do your best but sometimes it's not a very exciting game and I had told this individual I thought that it could sell in the game you know the game of hockey in England but you need to have a good team so if they he had mentioned how the NFL they go out there and they have exhibition games NFL football and they use their best players out there and he said it's packed and there's such an interest and I said, you know, traditionally with hockey, when they go into a, a market, say, like in England, when there's just, you know, they think, okay, well, we won't put our Connor McDavid's or Dreisaitl out on the ice so they don't get hurt. And so they don't really expose the game of hockey at a level that can sell the game by showing. Look at what these guys can do at, at you know, like the best players. And so I had told him about when I lived in New York, that uh, there, there was an individual that I met from England, and um, he was a banker, and he knew that I had played for the Rangers, and he said, hey, do you think you could take me to a hockey game one day? I said, absolutely. So I got some tickets, and we went into Madison, went to New York City, and went to Madison Square Gardens, and um, Toronto Maple Leafs were taking on the New York Rangers, and this was his first hockey game. And don't forget, this guy is right from England. He's never seen hockey. Wow, this was such an exciting game. There was so much body checking, and there was goal scoring. Like, it was hockey at its finest. Like, I was into this game, and this guy was on the edge of his seat. He had never seen such aggressive game as hockey, all within the rules. There might have been a fight or two, but when it was over... This guy was a hockey fan, and he just said, I'm getting the bank to get some tickets. He said, this is an unbelievable sport. So as I've told, you know, the gentlemen that had me on their podcasts, that hockey is a wonderful game. 
And if you're going to be exposed to it in, you know, the first game or two or three you go see it and it's pretty boring, you know, that doesn't help the game of hockey. So if they could, if the NHL ever goes out there for exhibition games and they want to put a good product on the ice, both teams, and, and sell the game of hockey instead of just, you know, well, we don't want anybody hurt and we got this obligation and so, yeah, we'll put some guys on and they'll have, the, you know, the NHL colors on. But when you play the game, you know you've got a secondary team or a third-rate team. And you're not selling the game. You're just not selling the game. And so I, I'm just a big proponent of sell the game of hockey. Put your best product on the ice. Yeah, I realized, you know, if it's training camp, there's some guys that are trying to make the team and you got to give them some opportunities. Well, still keep your superstars in there and uh, maybe take out some of your foot soldiers and put these other guys in. But there's ways to sell the game. And that's the one thing I'm a little disappointed about is they don't think of the game of hockey. They Each team thinks about themselves. Maybe that's the way to do it. Maybe that's why I'm not in hockey today, unfortunately. But you got to sell the game of hockey. I would love to see it grow, you know, into a country like uh, like England. Okay, well, it's nice to be back, Dad, so uh, it looks like we have another episode to record with all the questions that we didn't get to. So until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm Cam, and thank you very much.